It is lights out and away we go. Hello racers, welcome back to the Harder Soft F1 podcast. I'm your host Adrian Huff coming to you live from the United States of America and of course I'm of course I'm joined as always by my Canadian co-host RJ McCullough. Now we've got quite a bit of news for you today. Of course we took a little bit of a break along with our uh, favorite F1 drivers uh, over the summer break. Uh, but of course we're back to talk about some of the uh, pretty light news, honestly, that we have that we got in silly season. Uh, breaking news today, w- hours before we started recording, Haas have announced that they're going to be renewing both of their drivers' uh, contracts. They're going to be returning in 2024, uh, Kevin Magnuson and Nico Hulkenberg. So very exciting news for both those guys. I know K-Mag, his future was a little bit in question. Uh, but yeah, it's great to see that those guys are going to be sticking around for next year because... Nico especially has just really put in a lot of really great performances this year. Um, but yeah, I know we were talking a little bit about K-Mag possibly not returning. Uh, but yeah, do you think that's a little bit of a surprise that they're keeping him around? Do you think it's a good call? Uh, I think it makes sense. I mean, there didn't seem to be too many um, other great options out there. Um, we're kind of going to get into how they're not really – teams aren't really utilizing their rookie drivers or their uh, practice drivers, so to speak. So no one's really getting a, no one's really set themselves apart in terms of guys that would want to go to Haas anyway. So yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, I'm glad he's sticking around. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. You, you, you kind of made a, a good point. I was thinking, honestly, I think like just a couple of days ago, sort of what Haas was planning on, uh, doing as far as their driver, driver lineup. And I was struggling to think of a potential replacement for K-Mag. I mean, I know he's sort of struggled. He had a really, really strong start last year, uh, but he's not had as good of results as Nico has this season. I think everybody realizes that. But, you know, Haas has also made it very clear they don't want to develop rookies. You know, they tried that, did not go well. So I was thinking, you know, if, if nobody on the current grid – is being let go I didn't really see another outlet for them another potential possibility for a driver lineup that it just it it makes sense for these guys and you know it kind of I feel like it would have been a little bit uh rough to just pull the rug out from under K-Mag especially after getting him out of his contract to come back to Haas uh last year but yeah it's very exciting but the man himself, the big man, who's on everyone's minds this season, Max Verstappen, has been quite busy this summer break. Uh, he, we got, we saw a little video of him driving an Aston Martin Valkyrie, uh, and around the south of France, I believe, was where he was, or where he was, sort of near his home in Monaco. Um, but yes, he was videoed by the passenger. I'm not quite sure who that individual was, but. He was videoed driving with one hand, driving over 20 miles per hour over, or kilometers per hour over the speed limit. And on top of that, he was wearing the racing earpiece where you can sort of have commentary coming through you and <laughs> communicate with somebody outside of the car, which is illegal where he was driving. So there's been a lot of debate about Max Verstappen potentially getting a fine, potentially getting in some legal trouble. A lot of jokes about him not being able to finish the championship, which, I mean, just thinking about that is really, really funny. (laughs) I don't think he's actually going to get any sort of legal issue besides maybe a fine 
you know, it's, he's a racing driver. Even if he did do stuff that was even more egregious than what, you know, he's already allegedly done. I don't think, you know, the rich, they're going to get a pass no matter what, but I'm sure you would, you would love to potentially see Max get in a little bit of trouble here though. Jail. Jail. <laughs> Throw him in jail. Lock him up. Lock him up. You just can't have guys driving recklessly like that. I mean, it's absolutely reckless and just endangering people. Could have been children out there. I mean, you would never, ever catch Lewis doing this exact same thing on camera. Never. So throw Max in jail. But I was just thinking, honestly, if they did throw Max in jail for six months, he would still he would still win the Drivers' Championship this year. Oh, my That's God. how far away. That's how far in front he is. Um, but that brings me to my next topic. I don't know if Max will still be racing by 2028, but there is talk of the 2028 Olympics, which is going to be held in Los Angeles, but we're in your, I was going to say your neck of the woods, but your country. Yeah. Still far apart. But, um, yeah, so they're trying to get motorsports into the 2028 Olympics. So if Max is still around, I'm sure he'll be in there for Holland. Um, so it's, they're making a bid along with eight other sports. Um, it has fierce competition alongside flag football, cricket, baseball, softball, lacrosse, breakdancing, karate, kickboxing, and squash. I'm sure pickleball will be getting in there soon, too. Uh, let's say, with the vast expansion of motorsport over in the U.S., particularly F1, motorsport might just be in for a good chance. However, like football has the potential to bring in NFL players to participate. Uh, do you think there's a good chance of motorsport? Like, I don't really know how they would do it, if it would be F1 cars, if it would just be, like, high-level karting, um, yeah, do you think that's viable? Or do you think any of those other sports should probably get in first? Gosh, it's tough because a couple of, like, you said breakdancing. <laughs> but, you know, like, I could definitely see baseball, cricket. That's a very popular sport in Europe. Um, I don't want to be too biased. Out of that entire list, I would definitely personally choose motorsport. But it, it does seem like a slight logistical nightmare just because – we don't know. I mean, you would probably have to have everybody doing on a completely even playing field. So do you have like a very specialized developed car just for the Olympics? Do you do like the sponsor route where you have like everyone driving Ferraris or like it just, it it seems like it's a really, really cool idea. And I think it's a great way to, I mean, motorsport deserves, you know, a spot to me because to my knowledge there's never been any sort of like motorsport in the olympics and you know these guys are some of the most peak athletes on the planet so i would really love to see that happen but logistically i i just don't know because like what you just mentioned like flag football it seems very silly but you know i could totally see them wanting to put together a dream team of nfl players just to give the u.s more gold medals (laughs) yeah that's a guaranteed gold medal for the u.s Oh yeah, absolutely. So football. Um, yeah, it would be kind of cool. Let's say if they did, like two guys from each country. I mean, like England would be tough to choose, but you'd have like Lewis and Lando or something, and then Dutch would be like DeVries and Max. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. The the main thing would be yeah, how do they get everyone in an equal car? And also, like if you've been driving NASCAR or something, and 
you know, against someone that's been driving F1, like those are two very different skill sets. So how do they make it equal so everyone has an equal shot at it? I don't know that answer or how are guys going to practice on those cars before the Olympics? Don't have that answer. But I think uh, we both would love to see it. And by then, our podcast will be the number one motorsports podcast in the world. And we'll be uh, front row. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Five years from now, please, please. We'll be on the picket lines <laughs> trying to get them to accept this sport. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, but, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. Uh, I do think to myself, like, would they, you know, if they did – go that route and did include that would there be like a temporary team like i know with like basketball there's like a coach it's like the pro bowl you know they have like a like a team that just comes together to train so would there be a team principal for each country uh so i I don't know um but to transition uh to another team principal there's been a couple of comments made by um ferrari's team principal fred fred vasseur uh, he's been making a couple interesting comments. You know, obviously, it's been a pretty dry, silly season, so we haven't had too much uh, interesting news or anything like that. It's been mostly uh, kind of quiet, nothing, basically just watching the drivers go on vacation, basically. But, of course, everyone's been asking all the team principals and all the drivers about Max and Red Bull's dominance. And Fred had a very... I would say a po- very political answer, but it's uh, the way he sort of said it. Uh, I found very interesting because it it's a little bit of a different tone than what you see with, you know, maybe Zach Brown or Toto Wolf. He uh, s- disagrees with the popular opinion that the DRS is sort of Red Bull's saving grace, and that that's the been the key uh, part that's set them so far ahead of everybody else, and. Uh, spark this debate on potentially taking away DRS for qualifying and if that would be fair to Red Bull or if that's specifically against Red Bull. Uh, but he he flat out just thinks that Red Bull has just completely upped their game in every facet. He's just like, they've just nailed it in every capacity. Engine, chassis, um, just as far as even the pit stops, you know, they consistently have the best pit stops. And he sort of lamented Ferrari and was talking about their own team dynamics and how they're making changes and trying to sort of do that themselves. And he, all of that to basically say, he's like, I don't think there's going to be one big change that we need to make. That's just going to fix the car. Like it has to be a completely structural change within the team, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but then he made, he was starting to make a couple of comments about Leclerc, which I found a little bit interesting because you know, there's been a lot of discussion regarding the contracts uh, of these Ferrari drivers and what their future is. You know, I think it's sort of established that Charles is sort of the face of Ferrari. You know, everybody likes Carlos, but I mean, Leclerc is Ferrari. Uh, I think everybody <laughs> is sort of on the same page for that. But, you know, he was sort of not trashing Leclerc, but I mean, being just very bluntly honest, he's like, you know, he's not perfect. He's not Max Verstappen. You know, he's not winning every single race. You know, obviously he doesn't have the exact car to be able to do that. But, you know, he said he gets emotional. He gets hot-headed. You know, he sometimes lets his anger, you know, sort of blind him and potentially um, cause him to have a shunt or uh, say something negative about the team. And he just was sort of like, Charles is not necessarily at a place where he's ready 
to completely challenge Max Verstappen, which I thought was a little bit interesting. But he wasn't saying that that's never going to happen. It was just more of a, we as a team need to grow. Like, Charles isn't perfect. Our pit crew's not perfect. Our strategy team's not perfect. You know, there's not, like, one specific weak link. So I thought that comparison between him or between his own team and Red Bull uh, was pretty interesting. But what do you think? Do you think that that's the case, or do you think that Red Bull maybe took a little bit of advantage of their DRS and that that's sort of their mainstay? Uh, I'd say maybe a little bit of both. I think they just have clearly done a better job than everyone else. Everyone's playing catch-up, and that maybe extends to DRS as well. Um, but I don't think they've done anything nefarious to get there. Uh, I think he made a couple other interesting comments about Red Bull as well, saying that Red Bull is the only team that prioritizes their number one driver. Uh, but yeah. he really just elaborated to me, like, because they're going for a championship, like Max is going for the championship, so they are in a position to prioritize their number one driver, whereas Ferrari hasn't made Charles their number one driver because they're not fighting for a championship, so there's no real need to do that. Um, but he also said, I believe it was him that said, um, if Red Bull had two Sergio Perez's, this would be a wide-open season. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, just a punch in the face to Sergio Perez. But, yeah, and I, interesting interesting comments to see him coming out and say this. They're obviously a team in flux right now. Um, there's rumors. To, you can't really trust silly season rumors, but there's a little bit of talk of signs maybe moving to Audi uh, when they launch their team. I think they have to do contracts after this year, I believe, because I don't think he mm-hmm. wants to go into those last year without a contract. So, I mean, there's yeah. just a lot going on for Ari. It seems like there always is. The, I like at least that they're not trying to pass the buck. They're kind of at least admitting that they have issues that they need to figure out. But I don't know. Um, I guess it just re- remains to be seen how they're going to go about it. I like Fred. Yeah, obviously it goes way back with Charles. So yep. we'll see where that goes. Uh, another Ferrari story that crossed my timeline, though, has to do with Nico Elkenberg. Um, so Nico. he obviously, when he first came into F1, he was like a, he was supposed to be like the next big thing. He never really got there. He's driven the most races of anyone to never get a podium. He has 193 races, I believe, without getting a podium. Um, so Damn. in 2019, he was asked uh, whether he had ever been in talks to join Ferrari because back then it was like the rumor was that he was going to go to Ferrari but instead they brought back Kimi Raikkonen because um, Felipe Massa was leaving or going to another yeah. team something like that so he admitted back then on a podcast uh, there was some discussion I think there was a real possibility um, but then yeah Kimi Raikkonen got signed Hulkenberg who is six feet tall says his height definitely hasn't helped and is a probable factor in missing out on chances to race for the top teams. He told the race, quote, I've never had an answer where teams said, sorry, no, we turned you down because you're too tall. Probably they wouldn't tell me straight to my face, but I'm pretty sure that it has, yeah, hindered the odd opportunity and occasion to jump to a top car. Packaging issues, less space, more weight, which is not the right way around in this business. Now, I'd never really factored in whether being too tall is an issue. I believe George Russell is taller than Nico Hulkenberg. Mm-hmm. And this last part here that I just want to read Hulkenberg stands 20 centimeters taller than Felipe Massa the driver he was set to replace but only 4 centimeters taller than Kimi Raikkonen who ended up getting the seat so sorry Mr. Hulkenberg I don't think it's your height that stopped you from getting signed (laughs) yeah I think I'm with you on that one well 
you know, body weight and height does play a factor. I don't think that was the deciding point for them to be like, no, let's bring back Kimmy. Let's get Kimmy back yeah, in the seat. Kimmy and Nico. I think they made yeah. the right choice. Kimmy could have been an exciting uh, possibility. I think uh, an all-German uh, Ferrari driver lineup would have been pretty cool, honestly. I think that would have been interesting yeah. to see Nico fight along yeah. Seb. Yeah, so I think Seb would have absolutely smoked him, but I but, do think he would have for sure gotten that podium that he's been chasing for almost, what, 200 races now, you said? That's that's insane. Yeah, 193. I think we got another Ferrari story coming up next, too. We're just keeping it going with Ferrari here. Yeah, so much, so much with uh, Ferrari and uh, their engines, Haas and Alfa Romeo. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, so this upcoming weekend, so this episode will be going live. Uh, probably everybody that's going to be watching this when this first comes out is going to be watching this on Friday. So during FP1, it's either happening right now or it just happened. You can go back and watch it. Uh, Robert Schwartzman is going to be running in Carlos Sainz's uh, F1 car in uh, FP1, like I said. I was I lost my train of thought there just for a little bit. but So it's the first year, I think, that there's a mandatory rookie practice. you got to let... Um, Oh, yeah, two for each driver, yeah, so... Second, I think it's the second year, is what I was saying. Oh, sorry, yes, because... Oh, yeah, that's right, because there were a couple... They did run the rookies last season, yeah, my mistake. Uh, but There's been a lot of debate on when these teams are actually going to run their rookies, just because there's not really necessarily a lot of incentive for them to, and because, besides Red Bull, I mean, there's a lot of very, very tight uh, races, uh, very tight battles between the championships, uh, whether it's the midfield, the back markers, <laughs> or second place, honestly. I mean, besides Red Bull, it's a very exciting season. But, yes, Robert Schwartzman is going to be driving Carlos Sainz's vehicle, and they announced that he will also be driving Leclerc's in Abu Dhabi. Uh, but as far as I know, he's the only rookie that's going to be running in this session. So something that I thought was very interesting is that uh, – it. And just judging by how the lack of teams running the rookies so far, there's going to be a lot of rookies running FP1 in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> so our final race, it's going to for sure be probably the most interesting FP1 to watch. Uh, but another thing, the reason why they chose Schwartzman and not Leclerc's younger brother, Arthur, uh, or they, I forget his name, but they have a second driver in Formula 2, but they're pretty much pretty much they just said that they didn't want to take them out of their groove that they have their own championship they're fighting for in F2 uh so they just decided to go with Schwartzman I think you know Ferrari I I don't know cuz there's multiple teams you know that have their junior drivers that they want to train and bring up but you know it just it, it just doesn't feel like that that's happening sort of as much as it used to like it's almost I mean I think without this rule Ferrari would not be running Robert Schwartzman in any F free practice sessions. That's definitely free to say um, or fair to say, but I don't know. I just think, you know, you think back to like Max Verstappen start or Leclerc start. You just had so many of these guys who were, you know, just given a shot, given like a drive and sort of brought eyes on them and it just gave them a shot. So I do like that this rule is here. Uh, I'm glad that these rookies are getting a chance to actually drive in an F1 car. Uh, I kind of wish Ferrari was, you know, sort of taking a little bit more of advantage of it and driving potentially somebody that they do see in that car in the future. I don't think they see Robert Schwartzman in that car uh, on the F1 grid. But, 
yeah, I guess we'll see. But yeah, that's as far as as far as I know, that's going to be the only rookie running an FP one this weekend. Yeah, unless I'm mistaken as well. It's the first one all year. Whereas last year they most of them had, had at least one in by the summer break because they each have to each car has to fill a session with the rookie basically throughout the year. So I guess Claren Williams and Alpha Tauri have a rookie this year, so that actually counts apparently. Um, oh wow! For one of their cars, but. So they still have to, everyone else still has to get both in. Those ones have to get uh, another one in. And there's, what, 10 rounds left. One of them's Vegas. Yeah. There's three sprint races left. Like, there's really not much, not much time. Like you said, they're kind of leaving it. Um, and with so much development so and such clo- such close battle between all the midfield teams, it is going to be interesting to see how they, how they squeeze that in uh, throughout the year. Like I said, Abu Dhabi is just going to be, rookie season but uh it's just a bunch of latifis you know god keep that man away keep him retired <laughs> but on another note we have an, uh, a pretty cool livery actually this i guess to slightly move off of ferrari alfa romeo it's not too much of a we're not going too far but uh alfa romeo will run a livery based on the art car design they revealed earlier this year it's basically like a graffiti a graffiti car. Yes. Uh, they launched the car in January by graffiti artist Boogie. Um, it's already been displayed and has now been added to the F1 video game. Um, it will appear in the circuit's fan, fan zone, then sold at auction to raise money, much like they did earlier in the year. Um, but some of the features of its design will be incorporated into Alfa Romeo's garage and the pit lane. The cars will feature updated liveries and the team's trackside infrastructure will be changed to have a matching visual identity to the car's um, they describe the design, which will appear on Bottas and Zhou Guanyu's cars this weekend, as a, quote, tribute livery to the art car, emblazoned with Boogie's distinctive art. The team's garage panel and garage name boards and driver suits will also be revised to complement the new look. I say that all to say it actually looks pretty cool. It does. It's a great livery. Yeah, pretty much. All I've got, all I've got in the livery, I mean, we'll maybe throw a picture in or something, or people can look it up, or they're mm-hmm. already seeing it. I don't know if the car on track can be exactly the same as the one in the pictures kind of sounds like the one in the pictures is going to be a display car uh, sure but yeah i mean i guess there's not really too much to add on to that if you want to maybe give me your opinion and then we can talk some mclaren yes um sort of i think the first thing i saw about the livery was how they changed the nameplates for the drivers in the paddock and it's like the graffiti i guess it's from the the artist boogie but yeah it's very very cool the the whole redesign for this weekend by Alfa Romeo. They always kill it with their liveries. I mean, they really do with the Italian wheel covers or the rims. I mean, it just, it always looks so good. But yes, McLaren. So, uh, in my opinion, the most spicy uh, photo that we got from Silly Season was not Leclerc or Mick Schumacher or Lando Norris on the beach or on a boat or Carlos Sainz paparazzi photo kissing some model. No, 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 no. It was Adrian Newey and Zach Brown. <laughs> and uh, a bunch of other big names in motorsport, but they were having dinner, and uh, sort of what sparked the the actual photo sort of circulating was Adrian Newey wearing a McLaren F1 racing hat and Zach Brown wearing a Red Bull racing hat, uh, which is definitely just them being coy with one another, but uh, it had lots of people speculating <laughs> <laughs> Some very bright-minded people were theorizing that potentially Adrian Newey uh, was 
going to McLaren in exchange for Zach Brown coming to Red Bull. And I'm like, first of all, what? Yeah, what kind of a trade? Red Bull are so desperate to get Zach Brown's knowledge. I mean, <laughs> I, I like Zach Brown a lot, but that is just really, really funny. But it revealed uh, something that I did not know in that McLaren are going to be changing their engine supplier from 2026, which is very interesting. You know, they've been a, a Mercedes customer team for a very long time. And, uh, you know, Mercedes makes a good, a good engine uh, relatively. <laughs> I don't know about uh, how they're uh, enjoying this current regulation engine, but I, I would say it's not necessarily Red Bull's engine, but it's not too too bad. It's not a it's definitely better than the Ferrari engine, but I think it's a little bit of a gamble. I mean, you've got a brand new engine supplier coming in to join Red Bull with Ford and, you know, Ford, you know, they're monsters when it comes to, you know, the racing uh, or motorsport, I guess I should say. But, you know, Formula One is its own beast. You know, you've got no matter how much resources you have, you know, it's so easy to just. You know, they could have the fastest engine on the grid, but the thing could melt after 30 laps. You never know. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see that not only are Red Bull going to be, you know, running the engines and whatever Alpha Tauri become, but McLaren will also be running the Ford Red Bull engines. I mean, the grid in 2026 is going to be just absolutely insane. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Um, it's curious, though, because, yeah, right now they're with Mercedes. Um, I think there's a... a risk as you said in kind of trying to chase the hot thing in f1 because yep. as we know the sport always seems to bounce back to another team whenever they change regulations so mm-hmm. yeah i understand wanting to get in with red bull right now but a they're moving to ford as their engine supplier and b if history is an indicator most likely it's going to be another team that has the best engine for the 2026 regulations so yep. kind of it could be a risky move to switch and then Mercedes has the best engine and you just left them. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of the risk I think there, but I mean, they're, uh, they understand these things better than we do. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now. Um, another thing I don't really understand right now is what on earth is going on with Lewis Hamilton's contract. I guess I was duped because a couple of weeks ago I saw something that looked like it was reputable that said he signed a four year extension. With Mercedes, so I was pretty excited about that, thinking, all right, he's going to be there for a long time. Uh, I guess that's not the case. Um, kind of coy. I mean, everything we've heard is just, it's just a matter of time. They're just working on mm-hmm. the small details, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, if it is, wasn't done during the summer break, it's going to be tough to get done now when they have 10 races in the next 14 weeks. So I don't know. I mean, if you leave it to the end of the year, you're... I, I, there's no part of me that thinks he's going to leave Mercedes, but we've seen it so many times in other sports where a guy gets to essentially free agency without a contract and they get a better offer somewhere else. Sometimes they take it. So yeah, the longer it's up there in the air, the more it's just feeding discussion. And generally Mercedes isn't, maybe you disagree with this, but generally Mercedes isn't the team to uh, keep stoking the fire. I feel like it's more like a Red Bull type of thing even for Ari sometimes sure. but usually Mercedes is relatively <laughs> quiet they don't love to give people drama to talk about um, unless it's like Toto Chirp and Christian Horner but <laughs> yeah I don't know something's, something's going on behind the scenes 
I don't know whether maybe Lewis wants like equity or a guarantee of his car, the car or guarantee of certain personnel. I have no idea. Maybe something to do with Roscoe. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know. Do you really, do you have any thoughts on what the hell's holding them up? Yeah, I think Toto just does not want Roscoe as the brand ambassador, no matter how much Lewis wants it. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I we definitely, yeah, who knows what the details and the the small de- or the small details of the contract are, but that's definitely what I imagine is what's going on. Whether it's the length of the contract or the salary or the bonuses or the points or the equity. I mean, there's so much, you know, Toto has obviously gone from being brought on to lead this team to becoming CEO of Mercedes. I mean, or he is, you know, (laughs) he's got a lot on his plate besides just, you know, running this team and he does a great job at it. You know, no slight to Toto whatsoever, but I wonder because, you know, I I think Lewis, I, I don't know. I just don't see Lewis retiring before, God forbid, you know, it'll, I do, God forbid it doesn't happen, but I think he, he, he's got to get the eighth. He wants the eighth championship and, you know, I, you, potentially maybe he was thinking about it at the end of 2021 that he wasn't going to be around that long, but I think Lewis wants to stay through 2026, at least through 2026, 2027, maybe, you know. So he's probably looking for a longer term deal and maybe Mercedes, I just, I mean, it's, it feels so crazy to say, cause I just don't, I think Mercedes would literally do anything to keep Lewis, but maybe he wants like a four year, $120 million a year deal. You know, you just, they're like, okay, but how about a two year, $150 million? You know, they're like, we just, that's another thing about F1 teams is that they are the most cutthroat, brutal assholes on the planet and even if you're lewis hamilton they still want to keep their options open you know they don't want to necessarily again sounds crazy to say but i could see this mega corporation not wanting to necessarily be locked into lewis for four more years you know they don't know maybe he may or they're maybe like maybe he's going to want to retire and we still have to pay him those next two years i mean there's just so many like potentials for this that I definitely could see Lewis maybe wanting a little bit more. He's like, I've done so much for this team. I've also recently had to go through so much for this team. So, you know, give me what I deserve. And I think, you know, the fact that Lewis is, I think he's still the second highest paid driver, if I'm not mistaken, but he's real, he's real close with the Claire. And I'm like, you got to get closer to max. I mean, max obviously earns his money, but that's crazy. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, like you said, it's gone to the end of the summer break. Now we're going into the first race after the break. Do you think that the longer it takes and maybe the longer Mercedes takes to agree to Lewis's terms or to find middle ground, is that giving him temptation to look elsewhere? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think so. Yeah. Again, I don't think he'll actually do it, but definitely be using it as leverage. Yeah, I mean, I just, that's a, that, I mean, I just, I really don't see him going anywhere else. I mean, any team would have him, but it also, it's not like they're waiting to announce his, you know, uh, re signing of the contract. We've got 
the Dutch GP, then the Italian GP, then Singapore, then Japanese. You know, none of these are necessarily big races for Mercedes. So it's not like they're waiting for a special moment to announce, you know, unless they want to wait for like Brazil where he claimed, you know, Oh, I don't know. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's interesting, but what's going on? (laughs) I agree. I agree. Uh, You want to talk about this crappie story? That's going to piss me off. Yes. (laughs) I got too wrapped up in the current topic that I was, I forgot to transition. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yes. Uh, speaking of Lewis Hamilton, uh, the announcer that has pretty much announced every one of his championships and every one of his wins, Crofty, uh, spoke pretty candidly in a recent interview about uh, his favorite moment in his career. And we've already discussed this, so I won't pose the question to you, but to all the listeners out there, what would you imagine would be the highlight of of Crofty's career as an announcer. I mean, there's been some beyond iconic moments. Sebastian Vettel's first win, Max Verstappen's first win, Lewis Hamilton, his first championship or any of his championships. I mean, there's just like a literally like a, a bottomless pit of phenomenal moments. But he, he claims the most exciting and greatest moment in his career was Max Verstappen's first championship, Abu Dhabi 2021. And I was taken aback when I <laughs> listened to that, only because of, you know, the obvious controversy that surrounds that moment. And, you know, when you listen to it back, it is a intense moment. You know, if it was fair, you know, I remember the emotions I was feeling in the moment, not realizing the sort of atrocities that had just occurred, but just thinking like, Oh, we just got the greatest, but it's, (laughs) it's a little bit crazy to me. Just that that's what he's publicly saying is that that's his number one. Like when he goes to bed at night or when he's on his deathbed, (laughs) he's going to be like, that was the moment, man. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's the wording of it. Like if you would have said, you know, like most exciting or most, I don't know, even like controversial or whatever, then I would understand. But the fact that he said it's his favorite moment of his broadcasting career, like, not great, not great. Um, but I don't want to talk about it. My face is I'm already getting mad. I'm talking about the motherfucker. All right. Let's move on. Dutch GP. Dutch yes. Grand Prix. Max is home. Home of another win. So actually, I'm going to start with Max. Interesting little factoid here that everyone kind of knows, but I'm just going to keep up with it. Uh, if Verstappen can pull off a home victory at Zambort this weekend for the third consecutive year at Zambort, he will officially match Sebastian Vettel's all-time record of nine wins in a row, 2013. And then he will have an opportunity to break that record next week at Monza. So pretty, uh, wow. pretty spectacular stuff. Also, there's 10 races left. Max has 10 wins. The record for wins in a season is 15. Max set last year. So it seems like pretty much a foregone conclusion that Max will break that record of his. We'll kind of, I feel Mm -hmm. like we can close the show with that one. But uh, in terms of the actual Dutch GP, um, times, we got similar European times. First practice, 6.30. Second practice, 10 a.m. Practice 3, 5.30 a.m. Qualifying, 9 a.m. Race, 9 a.m. 
to 9 a.m. at the important times. This weekend, uh, Circuit Zanbort. Basically, this is on the this is on the calendar for Max and Max only, but uh, it's a 72 lap race, 4.259 kilometers per lap. First Grand Prix ever held here was 1952, but they came back a couple years ago because of Max. Lap record though, Lewis Hamilton, 111.097, and then don't need to go into too much details about the circuit and all that stuff, but it did. Oh, weather. Weather's been a big issue this season. Yes. It's throwing a conk into a lot of things. Looks like it's going to potentially happen again. Now, there's never in the two years, or three years, I guess they've had this, two rounds, two years, they've had this uh, Zambort track on the calendar. They've never had a session disrupted by rain, but uh, wow. there's a 40% risk of showers on Friday afternoon scheduled to clash with the second practice session. Saturday's qualifying day is currently the driest of the three days. Forecast that Saturday will be cloudy with the biggest risk of rain being in the morning. Um, and then for the Grand Prix on Sunday, the chances of rain are 40% chance on Sunday, although the highest risk is in the morning when the F2 and Porsche Super Cup races will be taking place. Now, not just rain, there's also cold temperatures and wind. Wind expected to get up to 35 kilometers per hour gusts. And it's going to be much cooler. Uh, the average temperature last year was just under 23 degrees. And it's currently expected that temperatures will only get up to 20 degrees once over the entire wow. weekend. And that'll be Friday afternoon. So I think that does not bode well for cars like the McLaren. If I remember correctly, they do a lot better when it's hot. Mm -hmm. um, I think that goes for Mercedes as well, but I could have that wrong. Um, yeah. That's kind of the info. I think the weather is kind of the main takeaway there as something that could throw a, throw a wrench into things. But I don't know. What do you think in terms of predictions and all that through stuff I just threw at you? Man, anything to just mix it up, you know. Uh, I've been playing a lot of league racing uh, the last couple of days. And the three tracks that are on the, like, rotation this week are Austria and Zandvoort and Singapore. And for some reason, it's like... 85% of the time gives me Zanvort, so I've been playing a lot of that track. It's 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 tough in the wet in the video game. It's tough. So, I mean, I think that's going to add a it's going to add a little spice to this weekend, so I'm not necessarily against it. And from what you said, it doesn't sound like it's going to be too bad, so there's no risk of the race potentially being canceled or delayed too much, hopefully. But ah oh man, I don't know. I I, I definitely agree with what you said. It's going to be very tough for these teams to get heat into their tires. So maybe if there's a team that where that's something that they, you know, specialize in, that that's just something that's kind of gone overlooked where they're able to get a lot of heat into their tires. They got a lot of downforce. Then they're going to for sure benefit this weekend. Now as to what teams could have potentially benefited the most over the summer break, I'm, I'm really clueless. I mean, I'm going so blind into this weekend I really just hope that some of the top teams have just managed to slightly bridge the gap with Red Bull a little bit. I know Mercedes are bringing some upgrades. McLaren are bringing some upgrades. So hopefully we just get a little bit of a fight. <laughs> I know it's pretty much just inevitable that Max is going to win. So uh, I think sort of from this point forward, it's going to be sort of assumed that Max is going to win and we're just going to predict who will finish second, who's going to do the best besides Max. Uh, so... As far as 
who besides Max will do the best this weekend? I'm going to, gosh, I think Checo has the potential to do well because while I don't think this is classified as a street race, it's got a lot of tight corners, a lot of sharp corners, a lot of very quick turns, and he does very good uh, with that sort of street layout that's got a very precise racing. So, And I've been reading a lot about how he – the second they were allowed to start working on the car again and go back to work Monday morning, he was at the factory putting work in the Sims. So, I mean, he's, you know, he, <laughs> I think he knows that finishing second in the championship is sort of going to be what it's going to take for him to keep his seat in 2024. So I think he's, he whether, whether fighting Max is an option for him, that's to be seen. But I think he definitely wants to not struggle like he has been. He wants to be the definitive second seat driver that is going to consistently bring home good results for the team. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to say check out. What about you? Okay. I think it's going to, we're going to look back and think how insane it was that he missed five straight through threes. That is insane. Um, I'm going to go with Lewis as I do. Um, I do think that something's like, they're not going to be uh, anywhere near, fighting with max but i mean uh the characteristics of this track as long as the mercedes car is uh in the right slot i think yeah lewis has a good shot at second or third this weekend um so i'll take him and i'm gonna end two quick questions for you we can end on this uh over the break i did a bracket of like first half first half drivers kind of trying to rank them obviously max was number one there's no doubt in that my second best driver i don't know if you watch or not i'm curious who you would say is this was the second best driver or most impressive driver of the first half. I went with Oscar Piastri. Um, and how many wins of the 10 races left do we think Max is going to get? I'm going to say eight. So he finishes the season with 18 wins is my prediction. So second best driver of the season so far. And how many wins is Max going to get? And then we're out of here. Second best driver of the season for me, gosh. Yeah, Piastri is definitely a strong choice. I mean, he's done just absolutely amazing this season. Uh, I mean, I will uh, – I'm going to say – it's hard to say Checo because he's just done so poorly. Mm, I'm going to say Lewis just because looking at the comparisons between teammates in the in the summer break – uh, if you compare that to last season, George was way closer in performance to Lewis. But it seems Lewis is sort of snapping back into his old form. And he's sort of been leaving George in the dust. I mean, that's – I mean, George has still been doing, you know, decently. But he's not been anywhere on the level of Lewis. So, going to go with Lewis. And as far as how many wins through the rest of the season, man, that is – that's crazy. I – it would be so sad if only Red Bull won every race this season. So I'm just praying that another team manages to pull out a win. Um, but I do think Checo also has the potential to get another W. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to say 17. So he'll end the race with two more races than last season. But it's not fucked up that we're saying 17 and 18 wins in one season for one guy. Like, uh, yeah, it's but it's yeah. going to happen. It is the records that he's breaking, not only in Red Bull but just in Formula One, are are really really ridiculous. So, as much as I love Max, I almost 
I mean, I, I love Sebastian Vettel too. I mean, I'm not saying anything slight to him. I want that record to at least stay another year. I mean, I don't want all those records for Red Bull to just say Max Verstappen. Seb's got to hold on to, you know, at least one or two of those. So I do hope that whether it's this weekend or in Monza, somebody besides Max can just win. I mean, even if it's Checo, let's just let's keep that record for Seb. <laughs> but I mean, we'll see. So we will be back for a post qualifying reaction. Uh, we'll have a little bit more information on how exactly that record's going to be going for Max. I'm sure he will pull out a poll <laughs> for this qualifying. But yes, we're going to be starting to do a little bit shorter form version of the podcast post qualifying. So not only we're going to have this episode, but you're going to have that as well. So make sure you come back Saturday afternoon to watch that. And thank you all so much for watching. We're back from the summer break. We're excited for the rest of the season and for the future of F1. So make sure you subscribe, like, and share the podcast. And we'll see you on Saturday.